Welcome to the Fantasy Affair. What is up, my Fantasy Affairians? Welcome into another fabulous edition of the Fantasy Affair Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, at Eric Burkholder6. Uh, you can find me on Twitter there. Joined, as always, by Bradley the Stickla. He's at FF Bourbon Dude. How's it going, Brad? Oh, living the dream I'm as living always. Living the dream. Damn it. That's right. I'm living the dream up. as always, man. I'm I'm drinking the 2020 Whiskey of the Year Larceny Barrel Proof. If you have not had it, you need to go find it in stores near you. If you're in Pennsylvania, you can find it all over the place right now. Uh, Western New York, I know you can find it right now. So my wife's family uh, lives in the just south of Rochester area. It's all over the stores there as well. If you can find it, I would highly suggest getting the bottle. It's $49. Again, Larceny Barrel Proof, top notch. But we got we got some special stuff going on tonight, Eric. <laughs> you Peeking behind that curtain. You, you son like of a biscuit. Oh, <laughs> our segue was so set up. This is so unprofessional now. We're just going to do it, though. Everybody wants to know, Bradley, because we know you were drinking last night on that live stream. Did you find your baseball? <laughs> I did. It's okay. Did. All it right. is, up, All is, it well is upstairs in, in my basket. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> of course it is. Your baseball's <laughs> in your basket, you dirty boy. So last episode, we talked about our ADP risers and fallers for the 2022 season. We talked about players to avoid. We talked about value plays. Bust, which is a dirty word on this show because we don't root against people, but you got to be realistic. Go check that out. And we promise that this uh, Thursday, it'll be dropping tomorrow, a week out, so six days out from the NFL schedule, that we were going to get your favorite, Paul Eisden Jr. at Boy Green 25, beat reporter for the, the New York Jets, who has his own radio show. They say he's a potsy. We know it's the truth. It is the Manchild Show with Boy Green. How's it going, Paul? How you doing, buddy? I woke up this morning, baby. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Happy to be back. Happy to be back. Thank you so much. I feel like that is every Jets and Lions fan of the last 25 years. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> Tickets are cheap. True. We're awake. Dollar beers. Dollar beers. So we want to talk the Jets. But before we get into that, we're just going to do a little bit of news and notes, however you want to call the segment. Um, I want to talk about Talk about Julio Jones and those Tennessee Titans. Julio is still banged up. Uh, let's start with Brad and then kick it over to Paul. How do you feel about Julio heading into this season? Do you think, because we know he doesn't love to practice, we know work ethic's an issue with the news coming out of the owner, um, Arthur Blank, out there in in Atlanta, you know, with the Dirty Birds, saying that the relationship changed and that he changed in the locker room. So what is your uh, implications of this injury going into the season for his outlook specifically in 2022 for Mr. Julio Jones, Brad? It's it's hard because on one hand, I say Julio's always hurt. He's been hurt for years. He just plays hurt, and he's damn good when he does. But last year, that tune changed a little bit, right? It, it was an injury that kept him off the field, and now you see this lingering thing going on in Tennessee. So I, I'm my, my radar is up on him right now. I'm a little concerned. So – I, don't, I'm, I just don't know that I would make a move to go get him if I'm a contending team at this point with this news continuously coming out because you're going to move a young asset to try to get him. He's going to be that added final piece that you need to put you over the top, and it just may not work out if this injury nags 
throughout the season. He's leaving games earlier. He's sitting games and he just can't get healthy. This, this guy is 32 years old, right? It's an abnormal for the wide receivers, especially of his size, caliber, and play style to be able to, to last as long as he has and not be hitting that injury bug now. So I, my radar's up on him for sure. Yeah, when you got a player like Julio, you are clearly betting on the outlier that he is just one of the greatest. Now, Larry Fitzgerald came to mind uh, because after the age of 31, he had three different seasons with 100 receptions and 1,000 yards. But he's a different kind of guy. He moved to the slot. I don't expect that out of Julio. Uh, let me put you on the spot here because uh, people are coming up on their draft. So going to acquire or specifically ADP-wise for you on the clock, are you taking Julio Jones or Adam Thielen, which we have always believed is a discount Julio? Adam Thielen. Okay, let's kick it over to Paul, man. How do you feel about Julio heading into the 2022 season? I don't. I uh, I, I, I opt out uh, on Julio. Again, the name is great. The name is sexy, you know. Or, you know, when uh, Tennessee acquired him, all the odds in Vegas are like, oh, man, skyrocket up. I mean, A.J. Brown is the train I'm on. But, again, the injuries thing, that, that's the thing that bothers me is because obviously when he was on the field, Julio Jones is Julio Jones. You saw the Matt Ryan point differential when he had Julio to when he did not have Julio. Julio Jones is a is a freak of all nature, one of the best wide receivers of this generation. But the problem is, is that at this point for me, I think it's more name value. I think it's more, you know, style than substance, to be honest with you. I, I, I'm riding A.J. Brown. I'm not touching uh, Julio if I have the chance. Uh, you know, in that, uh, you know, Adam Thielen or Julio Jones – I've got a feeling and that's where I'm leaning, not Julio. I like sure. it. I like it. I like it. You're younger, uh, different offense. I, I just, I'm going to take Julio in this argument uh, because I think Thielen's a discount. Julio just like, okay, he might miss some time, but I, I, he rarely leaves a game. He grits it out for whatever it's worth. And he's averaged more than hundred yards a game over his career. One more name to just throw out there real quick discount. 32-year-old, former phenom, the best wide receiver I have seen, that's including Julio. Antonio Brown, how do you feel about A.B. heading into the season, Paul? I love the value. I just grabbed him in a draft I had on Sunday. Love him at cost. Antonio Brown, everyone says that there's going to be, of course, the three receivers in that Tampa Bay offense, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Antonio Brown, are all usable, obviously. But A.B. at cost, I prefer over either of the other two, and I love the other two. Give me Antonio Brown all day. I'm trying to get as many shares as possible. Yeah, I think that's a smash play. Plus, he's so affordable. In redraft, you're yeah. talking what, like round nine or ten, and you're reaching? In Easy. dynasty, a second should get the job done. And if that's the 212, especially in the 2022 class, hey, man, we should bring you back for that, yeah, a little Debbie dive, because I really need to know who's coming out in college. Um, but we, I got some names on my list. But when you get past probably 15 or 16 of them, man, I don't give a damn. So uh, that second, if it's 212, give it up for AB all day. Let's move on to another another uh, news and note here. This would be about the Green Bay Packers here. Left tackle. I'm going to slaughter this. Becton? No, that's your guy. What's his Bakhtiari. name? Bakhtiari. 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 LTB. Okay. Left tackle sure. B. Left tackle for the Green Bay Packers. Don't let me off the hook, Paul. Get in there, man. Get in there. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah, slaughtering know. it. I'm going to go get some more coffee. It's late. Left tackle for the Green Bay Packers is starting the season on the PUP. He's going to be out at least six weeks. Uh, that will be six games because they're buys later in the season. How do you feel about Aaron Jones? I'm going to start with Paul because I know he wants to talk about a couple running backs on that team. 
Yeah, I, I would say this, that even prior to the David Bakhtiari injury for the Green Bay Packers, is that, you know, Aaron Jones, again, the thing is that, you know, you got to follow the draft status. And one of the things is A.J. Dillon, you know, whether he agreed with the pick at the time for Green Bay, they took him in the second round. And I saw him a lot here, Syracuse, Boston College. I A.J. Dillon run over my poor orange far too often. I know what A.J. Dillon can do, and all he needs is the opportunity. It was interesting. He had opportunities last year with, where both Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon ate. And, uh, you know, for me, I think Dillon's going to carve his way in. That scares me. And we were kind of talking about it pre-show, is that I would prefer Eckler. If I had the choice of the two, I'd prefer Eckler over Aaron Jones. So I know some people, and people have been texting me about it, saying, you know, he Aaron Jones is incredibly safe prior to this Bakhtiari injury. Again, I just don't buy it. I think A.J. Dillon's going to eat more than people think. Just just the, the clear swag of you saying Bakhtiari three times there just to rub it in. Uh, we can't wait to have you back on the show. Uh, that That is the question of the day, though, because when we're on the clock there, Aaron Jones, he felt like one of the safest RB1s at the back end of the first or the start of the second. Maybe you're at the 10, 11, 12 spot. I'm cool with taking him on the back flip. Uh, all day. I mean, Brad and I just did uh, a live redraft, a high stakes league for um, one of our co-hosts because uh, he couldn't make it. He was planning his wedding, like we say at Fantasy Affair. None of us are cheating on the wise, but we were all cheating on football. Okay, <laughs> football came first, hence the birth of Fantasy Affair, Fantasy Football. So, uh, but we talked about we want Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Najee Harris in that order, uh, and so. But I did not know that he would start the league on, on the pup. So. Uh, we got the gist there from Paul. How do you feel about Aaron Jones? Is he still a safe, or are you going to pivot? Because we went down the list to Austin Eckler, maybe a Joe Mixon, or maybe you're reaching on one of these rookies like Antonio Gibson, who we know we're crazy high on, something like that. How do you feel about Aaron Jones heading into 2022? Yeah, I still th- I'm still of the mindset he's safe. I still feel like he's safe. And is he going to lose some carries to A.J. Dillon? Yes. Jamal Williams had 120 carries last year. Right? Do we think A.J. Dillon's getting more than 120 carries? I don't think so. Maybe he gets a little bit, but even if he does, he's not getting the 35 targets that Jamal Williams got last year. Those targets, for the most, are going back to Aaron Jones. They cut Dexter Williams. Like, there's nobody else there right? that's going to warrant playing time. So even if he does lose some carries, those more valuable touches, if you're in a PPR or half-point PPR league, are going to be going back to Aaron Jones. So you're looking at best case scenario, 150 or worst case scenario, 150 touches going to AJ Dillon. And the remainder of that work is going to Aaron Jones. So I think he might be even safer with Jamal Williams being replaced with AJ Dillon. Cause that passing down work is going back to Jones. Think, so I'm, I'm perfectly fine with Aaron Jones where he's at right now. I think that's an interesting point there. And, and I am going to slaughter this kid's first name. So I'm just going to say Hill K Hill, the, uh, the Highland Hill. Thank you. The rookie running back uh, who is just a pure pass catcher out there. I mean, uh, coming in. So that that is interesting to see where the pass work goes. It's really the red zone for me because two years ago, Aaron Jones was wide, uh, RB2 off the back of just ridiculous red zone and touchdown efficiency. And then last year we saw that swing over to Aaron Rodgers, who of course won MVP with 48 touchdown passes. So that's what it comes down to. Who's getting the love in the red zone? I would not be surprised if, like Paul says, at BoyGreen25 on Twitter, make sure you give him a follow. Dylan hits up that red zone, man, because he is just a bowling ball. Speaking of uh, 120 targets for Jamal Williams, a player that has averaged or has a career high 144 
carries last season, Gus Edwards comes to mind. All right. Gus Edwards right now, look, we know that there's not a lot of passing work there for the running backs in Baltimore. And we know that the Gus boss averages more than five yards a carry. He's just completely undervalued. He's a fantastic NFL running back. Great depth piece for any NFL team. And if you had to hand him the reins, you'll you feel comfortable with it. But with J.K. Dobbins having that top five upside, at least across the, the, the fantasy industry, we all thought it was a possibility. A Mark Ingram-type season, right, where he just gets the 15 touchdowns. Well, now Dobbins is gone. And what I hear constantly is I would take Gus Edwards where I took J.K. Dobbins. Now, just hearing that in my ear seems crazy absurd. But when you break it down, they get this, he gets all the work now. He's not splitting it with J.K., whereas J.K. would have had to split it with, with Gus. And there's really no passing work to be had. Now, the man has not had more than 144 carries in any given season. Gus Edwards heading into 2022. Would you take him anywhere near Dobbins, which would be the third or fourth round? We'll start with Brad. No, I'm waiting a couple rounds. And if somebody else takes that bullet, bites that bullet, I'm okay with that. Look, he's, yeah, is he going to get more carries? Yes. Most of the time when you see this type of efficiency and then they add a bunch of carries, that efficiency starts to go down. So you're, you know, yes, he's been at five yards a carry his whole career. But you can't expect that to stay the same now that he's getting more work. So that's going to die down a little bit. And they just don't pass the ball to the running back position, period. So that's number that that's the second piece. The third piece is they really, really, really like Tyson Williams. There is a ton of talk around this kid right now. So I think you're still going to see a world where, okay, yeah, Gus Edwards is getting, what, 200 carries and is that enough to warrant the upside that you're, you were hoping to get with J.K. Dobbins? Maybe. But the one thing that has to happen is those red, red zone touchdowns. And I just don't want to decide. I don't want to lean on those because I think Lamar Jackson's going to be the guy taking those touchdowns right now because there's a reason they drafted J.K. Dobbins. There's a reason they used Mark Ingram and not as much Gus Edwards. And they, you know, there's some level of trust that they don't have with Gus Edwards or they wouldn't continue to find replacements for him. Well, the reason they took Dobbins is they were pretty candid with it. They just couldn't believe he was available. They just couldn't pass on the value halfway through the second. Harbaugh was like, dude, what the hell? I'm not going to let him fall to Pittsburgh. I have to take him. Um, And then as far as Mark Andrews, he's just – I'm sorry, Mark Andrews, Ravens. Mark Ingram, uh, he's just a beast of a running back, former Heisman winner. So that all makes sense. I do like that they have the running back by committee stench that you brought up. Uh, that's a good point. So I'm just going to name some names. You tell, you pick one name. Pick one name. You got Gus. You got Mike Davis. You got Gaskins. You got Edmonds. Pick one. Bradley. Edmonds. Edmonds, Edmonds gross. All right, Paul, talk to yeah. me about your uh, – they're all gross. I was going to say that regardless. Talk yeah. to me about your <laughs> outlook for Gus, Gus Edwards heading into 2022. Do you think you take him anywhere close to where you take Dobbins? If not, where would you take him? I'll give you the list again at the end of your statement. We'll move on to the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Yeah, absolutely not. No, I, I, I'm waiting too. I, I'm not doing the same thing. And, you know, you know, building off of several of Brad's points, you know, the efficiency looks great on paper, but he always did it as second fiddle. He was never the guy. So inevitably, to me, again, that's going to go down. And I just don't know, you know, again, great north-south runner, great NFL professional 
player, and he's going to be just solid. I don't think he's going to be spectacular. So you're going to – and then you're competing with, again, always in that Ravens offense, a Lamar Jackson factor. And at any point, he could take all of that away. So he'll be fine. He'll be solid. I'm not taking – I'm not sniffing him in that same range. I I don't hold him in the same light. So uh, I'm going to – again, another one of those opt-out scenarios. Solid – and I had a chance in a redraft league – uh, to get him just after, I think it was whatever Sunday or whatever day that was. I had the redraft league later that night, so the first draft after the injury. And I had an opportunity at him. I went Josh Jacobs instead, and I think it was like a fourth, fifth turn somewhere in there. So uh, I passed on him, and, and the next guy after me took him. And I'm like, you know what? Hey, good luck with him. So I, I passed on that. Yeah, Josh Jacobs is a screaming value in, in redrafts specifically. The fourth and fifth turn. I mean, he was RB8 last year. Uh, we we all thought he was going to be the RB1 coming out of the 2019 class. Uh, he has not disappointed, though he's just been steady, Eddie. He has missed some games. There are injury concerns. He's a running back. Come on. Uh, but we are talking the Gus bus. One thing about Lamar Jackson, you would think that the NFL would try and make with the lack of wide receivers. I mean, outside of Hollywood Brown, who's also been banged up, and Sammy Watkins, who apparently still plays in the NFL. You would think that they would try and force – someone other than Lamar Jackson to beat them, that they would force those RPOs. They would just bite hard on the edges and make Gus handle the rock. I do agree, though. Lamar just might just take it himself anyways because he is the juke stick. So, Paul, Gus, uh, Gaskins, Edmonds, Mike Davis, give me a pick. I know, they're all gross. Didn't even uh, give you Herndon. Didn't even throw you a bone. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> give me Mike Davis, I guess. Ugh, God, I like disgusting. It. I like it. They just signed so I get, a, I felt like an episode just, of Fear Factor right there. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't know about me, Joe Rogan. Fear uh, was never a factor. Uh, you know, there was a signing out there in ATL that we just skimmed over was Wayne Gallman. If it's not Mike Davis and it's somebody else, I just I would address that in season. This is like when everybody overreacted to Benny Snell having all the work in Pittsburgh. It, if Wayne Gallman is suddenly the guy, I don't give a damn. Like He'll have value, but I'm not going to feel good about it. The reason we like Mike Davis is the receiving work. Right, yes. this is a receiving work that we think he can get seventy-five targets pretty easily, catch fifty of them. That gives him fifty-point baseline in a PPR league. Add in the yards, couple of touchdowns. Add in the rushing. Next thing you know, he's sitting at RB seventeen or so, and you got him late. Uh, if it's not him, figure it out in season. I mean, because Patterson's still there, Cordell Patterson's still there, and and they think he's a playmaker too. It's going to be interesting out there in Atlanta. Talking about running back by committees, let's move on to the Jets here. Some news that broke that shocked a lot of people. Now, I've seen the victory laughs on Twitter. If you name every single player as a quote-unquote analyst, you will hit some. Right? We all liked Coleman and Ty Johnson at value because they were literally free. I mean, we're talking fourth and fifth round rookie picks, and now they're the one-two in that backfield. Michael Carter, though, was a current second-round pick somewhere around the 205 in Superflex leagues. and He's been running with the twos. Just break this down for me, Paul. How do we feel about this? Running game going forward, we did know it was going to be some sort of committee, but I think most of us loved and the enticingness of the North Carolina Tar Heel, who was the lead back there over Javante Williams and got a ton of work, more efficient, yada, yada, yada. Uh, how do you feel about Michael Carter and the entire backfield, really? I think since – I don't know the date of the last time we spoke. I don't know how long it's been between these interviews. but uh, Well, Chris Herndon was still a Jet. 
I'm still crying about that, by the way. But uh, you know, that's neither here nor there. We can talk about that later if that if that requires any bit of conversation. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well, I got to tell you that Tevin Coleman again is outside of injury, and that's inevitably going to happen anyway. But you know, from the get go, he's going to he's going to be the quote lead dog, so to speak. It will be a running back by committee. He, I think, again, it's inevitable. The reins get handed to someone else, but that someone else is no longer Michael Carter. That's someone else is Ty Johnson. And the thing that the Jets have loved throughout this offseason is they saw bits and pieces last year. Then obviously you have the switching of the coaching staff, Sala, Mike LaFleur, and everybody's coming over to bring a, a different flavor to the Jets. And the thing they wanted to see from Ty Johnson was the tough stuff. They saw some of the speed. They saw some of the explosion that they loved but they wanted to see the tough. And then in that preseason finale against Eagles, and while it's preseason, it's vanilla, it's the last game, they saw some of that popping for the Jets coaching staff. That was another piece of the puzzle that they're like, this Ty Johnson kid can be our Raheem Mostert. And so, again, Tevin Coleman will be the lead guy. But, again, I, I think it's only a matter of time before the reins get handed off. And ultimately, by midseason, it's a one-two punch of Ty Johnson and Michael Carter with Ty Johnson being the Batman of that Batman-Robin uh, combination. Yeah, Ty Johnson uh, picked out of the, out of Maryland by my Detroit Lions in the sixth round. So I I love – because he's got like the 4-4 speed. I love that you compared him yeah. to Mostert because that's what you had when Tevin Coleman was a 49, right? You had some guy, some mm-hmm. practice squad guy just trying to make it, uh, had a huge chip on his shoulder. He's aging out. He's He had late draft capital. I'm not even sure Mostert was drafted. Um, and somehow found his way on. And you can't do that in most NFL organizations because your draft capital dictates your future, not with Robert Salah, right? Not with Kyle Shanahan. So it's going to be interesting in New York. Uh, Kicking over to Brad from a dynasty perspective, how do you feel about Michael Carter? Because we know he's kind of a stash. He's 5'8", somewhere around 200 pounds. Do you think that he has an opportunity to – he's not going to be a bell cow, but to win – a, a specific role in here? Do you think the Jets are going to go ahead and address this in the NFL draft next season? Now, I think even if they do address it, he's still going to have a role, right? And if if you if you think about what San Francisco did, and if you can, I think it's fair to make an assumption it's going to be similar. There is going to be a multi back approach used in the future, and Michael Carter is going to get work, right? Michael Carter is a very good running back. He's just something is happening. They're seeing something, whether it's pass blocking or whatever the case is, something is preventing him from making that move up the depth chart. But I think he's a buy-in dynasty right now. People are kind of low on him. He was super high. You know, he was a high second round draft pick in most super flex leagues. You get in and guys were talking about how he's the lead dog. Tevin Coleman's not it. And now he's fourth on the depth chart. And I think you use that to your benefit and you go try to buy him cheap and you stash him. And then you see what happens in the offseason and you hope that through, as the season progresses, he gets more and more work and starts to work his way up that depth chart. Because I think he's too talented not to do that. Now, for somebody that did draft Michael Carter in the, in the second round this year, how do you like what is cheap? What are you going to get? What are you going to offer to get him on the cheap? I mean, it was he was just drafted in the second round of this season. Yeah. So for me, the importance is if you're an owner, you don't pivot right now. 
You do not sell him cheap when they haven't even given him the opportunity to move forward yet. So I would not be looking to move him if I own him right now, right? Because I, I think that's a bad strategy to sell low when given the when they haven't even been given the opportunity yet. But if I'm looking to move him, I'm going to try to at least get a second back out of it, right? Now, maybe you be willing. I wouldn't start with a high second, right? I'd be looking at a mid second or a late second if I was going to do that. But um yeah, I'd, that's where I'd start is probably a late second. Uh, I'd offer that if people aren't paying attention to the 22 class, they they wouldn't realize that that's really not worth a whole lot. Now, I know the college football season just started and a lot of things can people happen will emerge. now people and then. Will emerge. But uh, that that's where I'd start is probably a late second. Yeah. The thing about the picks is that there's so many people you can go get with that. With yeah. that pick, like we just talked about Antonio Brown, Brandon Cooks is another name that comes to mind. It's all the people people are low on uh, due to situation and not talent. As somebody that does have shares of, of Michael Thomas, as a manager that has rostered him, I'm not Michael Thomas, Michael Carter, as a manager that has rostered him, uh, this is the beauty of Dynasty. It's, it's evolving in a very interesting way. People now want to buy low, and so when there's a dip, they will come and ask you. And if you do have your values established and you know where you want to go with your team and you always are willing to pivot, stay water, however you want to phrase it, this is a great selling window. You just sell for whatever you would have sold him for three, four weeks ago. You just name that price. You don't have to lower it. But now people are knocking on my door and they are asking me and I'm able to, I paired him and Callaway today in a league. I'm able to pair him and other people that are popping in the preseason uh, so that they have some sort of stability with draft capital. Remember, he was a fourth-round pick. I mean, this screams Royce Freeman to me, who was just claimed by the Carolina Panthers. Paul, do you think that they will address the running back's uh, position in the NFL draft next year? Do you think they will look at free agents? I do not. I, I believe that uh, with this scheme, they believe the Shanahan, Papa Shanahan philosophy and maybe not this arrogantly, but this is kind of the theme in the building is that they can plug anyone in there and they're going to have success. Now, it has to be proven. A lot of people have tried the wide zone scheme in different places, and sometimes it's had success and sometimes it hasn't. But it is a tried and true principle that they're hoping to establish here with the Jets. So they really love Ty Johnson in that building, and he was a day three pick for the Lions. So they really like Ty Johnson. Michael Carter, they like he was another day three pick much earlier, obviously, who they like a lot. And I think they're willing to do that and then maybe throw a dart. They still have a Michael P. Ryan, again, another day three pick from the 2020 draft. He's more physical. I, I think they like the combination of smash, dash, and the third word you want to make up there is uh, what they have for now. They that Of the priorities or the power rankings of things they want, running back isn't anywhere near the top five. Yeah, that, that last word is efficiency. They like smash, dash, and efficiency. Right? Yeah, That's there you go. I love how you're the constant professional. For those that don't know, day three means rounds pick, pick uh, picks in rounds four, five, six, and seven. Day three sounds a lot better than a sixth round late ass pick that almost right. got caught in the first year of the Detroit Lions, who was in future waived. So we ate part of that contract. Uh, but day three, you're right. Those are all day three picks. Michael Carter is the pick of the litter for now. Ty Johnson, though, has emerged to have some sort of value. Uh, let's go to the man with the keys to the kingdom, Zach Wilson, right? Baby Drew Locke, who I am eating my words right now because the man, his feet line up with his eyes. 
His decision making, I don't know because it's it's preseason. Everything's vanilla. He takes what's given. That's fantastic. I don't care if you're a one read quarterback. You always go to the third read. Complete the pass. Be efficient. Score the touchdowns. From what I have seen in limited time from Zach Wilson, again against vanilla defenses in a preseason, way farther advanced than I thought he would be. We know he's mobile. We know he can sling it. He's and we know he's accurate. But his ability to process and keep his his feet connected with his eyes are set under him uh, when he's looking to throw it. For anybody looking at tape, like go watch Drew Brees versus somebody that didn't make it versus a Drew Lock. Versus a Mitchell Trubisky. And watch how Drew Brees constantly has his feet squared underneath him. And clearly one of the greats, so it's easy to see against somebody that's a little more squirrely. Even a Cam Newton that we all like. We know he's inaccurate, but that is why. Zach Wilson's feet are fantastic right now. Is this a mirage? Because I know you were all in before, and I and I was a wet blanket. But is this, is this real? Do I need to go try and get him before it's too late? You have to, uh, quite frankly. And again, I know it's preseason, so we have to keep, you know, using that as the, you know, holding the reins back on the horse before we get to the season. But the things that have impressed the Jets is he just looks like he belongs. The the confidence, the pocket poise where he's waiting, he's waiting, he's waiting, he's waiting, drops it, the Packers game. Or you saw the stuff that you saw in from BYU that you love, the improvisation skills. And Sala talked about that impressor today of what they love. And, you know, they can't wait to see the game when he just kind of, again, has that Patrick Mahomesian like moment. We saw it in the Green Bay game where he, like, took the snap up, the oh shit moment, uh, rolls out to the left, oh snap, rolls out to the right and just rips the ball and then just beautifully rainbow dropped to Corey Davis. Again, that's just what he does. It's, it's impressive stuff. But the thing is, he hasn't had a level of adversity yet. Obviously, from the coaching perspective, and rest in peace to Greg Knapp, uh, their passing game specialist who is supposed yeah. to kind of be the veteran in the room. So that is somewhat of adversity. But in terms of him in preseason action, he hasn't taken a sack. He hasn't had any pre-snap penalties. Uh, he's uh, driven the team down the field and gotten points more times than not. Everything from that perspective, Zach Wilson has checked every box. So whether just taking what's in front of him, again, you could say vanilla schemes, you could say preseason. Let's see what happens when we get to the regular season. But Zach Wilson has looked apart. Yeah, I love it. Uh, yeah, it's vanilla, right? Of course it is. He doesn't get to make the other team disguise their packages. Exactly. You still, right. you still have to execute. Uh, hold the hold the reins back a little bit because everybody has a plan to get punched in the mouth. But I thought he was going to make the plays. I thought he was going to have the oh shit moments because those are going to happen as a Jet. I mean, and what's up with Becton? We'll get to that in a second. What the hell? I thought he was a beast. Apparently he's getting to- he's getting toyed with. But I thought he was going to roll the left and then roll the right and then sling it. I didn't think he was going to drop it in on cue to Corey or or we thought it'd be Elijah Moore. We haven't seen them together. But I didn't think he would be so efficient with it. I knew he was going to make the play. I just thought it would be a pick. And now – uh, I'm starting to do a double take. I'm having a tough time picking which one of these five first-round quarterbacks would be a bust. Brad, how do we feel about Zach, man? I'm I'm loving it, right? And you talk about adversity, right? This is a few months back. He had a really rough practice, really rough practice. Threw some picks. They asked him in the post, uh, you know, the post-practice conference. Uh, you know, hey, what? what the hell? Like what happened today? And he says, I wanted to see what I could get away with. I, I, I did it just to see what would happen because guess what? It's fucking practice. I can do that here and there's no consequence. 
And he even said, in a game, now I know I can't do that. Boom. This dude, he just, he gets it, right? He, when you talk about that processing, he's figuring out, hey, you know what? I'm not fast enough to do that yet. I'll keep trying in practice until I work it out. But for now, I'm going to pocket that tool and I'm going to wait and develop it before I try to execute it. So I think the the kid's got a good head on his shoulders, it looks like right now. He's super accurate. I don't think we talk enough about his rushing upside. Now, he's not Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray, but he's a bigger kid that's got some moves. He's got some scoops. So I think that's an upside that could give you a pretty solid floor on any given week, I feel like. And I, I would agree that you need to go get him now because I could see it being, and I'm not going to compare it to compare him to this type, this player because they're not the same, but it's the same type of rise I could see happen. And that's in like a Kyler Murray between one and two or a Lamar Jackson between a one and two, where if this guy comes out and he shows any level of competence against teams, people are just going to start charging astronomical prices for it. And you need to get in now if you want to try to get him. If you want to, now's the time. Uh, nobody's Lamar Jackson. Nobody. The scheme and everything. It's just, it. you're not going to be that, even if you were just as athletic, right? And, and nobody's Kyler Murray. So you're looking at Deshaun Watson. We knew he was mobile. Uh, what comes to mind here is Josh Allen. Josh Allen out of Montana. I did not know he was going to be the rusher that he is. I, I didn't even think he was going to try it because he's such a gunslinger. Also, Dak Prescott who has, what, like nine touchdowns on the ground year in and year out. Didn't see that really coming. We knew he was mobile, but I think that's the kind of upside you're hoping for with Zach Wilson. Now we're told everybody to try and go acquire him, and I just talked about Michael Carter and how now it's a it's a selling window because people like to buy the dip, and it's going to be tough to go get Zach because when you approach somebody, immediately they go, oh, you want my guy? He's a god. He's on my roster. I took him you know, ninth overall. You're an idiot for taking Devonta Smith over him. Um, so – what are you actually willing to give up, Brad? And would you do this as a contender or just purely as a team that is building? Uh, as a as a rebuilding team, I would try to package a lower-end quarterback and a first, right? So if I could move Derek Carr in a first for Zach Wilson, I'd probably look to try to do that if I'm a pure rebuild team. Uh, if I'm a contender, I'm not looking to go uh, acquire him because I think the price is a little too high for what I'd be willing to pay on a contending team. Now, as a contender, me personally, I would love to give up. If I if I like the upside of Wilson, which I am coming coming along with, because he does have some weapons, right? And they will need to throw the ball. I don't know if the scheme will fit fantasy. Uh, Derek Carr in a first, if I'm a contender and that's the 112, yeah, I think I would do that. As a rebuilder, I'm going to look to take – you got to have the pieces to move them. You can't just trade picks. If I have a Matthew Stafford or somebody like that that's got a ton of height and I can get Zach Wilson plus that guy's picks, that's kind of a direction I would go. Russell Wilson would be a cutoff. He's too high uh, unless you can just get some loot, man. You could, If I can get Wilson and Elijah Moore, who we'll talk about here in a second, and a first and a second for from, from a team that's looking to win it all for Russell Wilson and I can get in, uh, that would be a move I would make. I don't know if Zach Wilson is my target. This is Jets hype here, but damn – the, the, the man looks good. The man looks good. He does. Let's talk about his weapons here. Corey Davis has shown out. He was a top five. He was the number fifth, fifth overall pick by the Tennessee Titans when he came out out of Western Michigan University. That is in Kalamazoo, Michigan, my hometown, baby. So I know who he is, but he has disappointed. A lot of that was scheme. A lot of that was Marcus Mariota. I don't know. I thought he would be good, too. 
Uh, he did not take the Alohas with him when he moved to Tennessee. So Corey Davis has shown out here in the preseason, getting a vast majority of the targets and and just getting open. I mean, proving that he can be a one. You can say he's not an alpha because people have different definitions of that. Not everybody's AJB. Not everybody's even Debo or DK or Julio. It doesn't mean you're not a one. Look at Keenan Allen. Look at Jarvis Landy for years out there in Miami. Uh, there's a lot of different guy, uh, ways that you can be the one, right? But you would expect them to bring in a one B. Perhaps they have Marty on the roster. Talk to me about Corey Davis and then specifically who behind him, because we're all caught up to the hype train of Corey. You want this year and beyond. Paul, let's go. Yeah, it's he's probably going to lead the – not just probably, he's going to lead the Jets in every major receiving category. The only one that's a bit of a question is touchdowns, and obviously that's somewhat fluky, but like, you know, Davis throughout his career hasn't really ever hit that pinnacle. So I don't know. That one's up in the air. But besides that, receptions and yards. I mean, Corey Davis is the guy. He was, you know, built on a, you know, on a, on a lab table like Frankenstein for exactly this Jets offense. Play action passing game, tough contested catches, just a, a nasty run blocker, and I know that doesn't win you fantasy points. This is the guy that the Jets have fallen in love with. He's been the guy for them. Again, their number one to a NFL number one. Maybe that doesn't translate the same way, but I'll tell you this. Corey Davis is a guy you want. He's an insane value in redraft leagues right now. I think the Jets stigma certainly you know, drops players just normally. Ah, Jets guy, ah, never mind. And he just starts dropping for those reasons. Again, if you could get Corey Davis, I would get Corey Davis if I were you. Again, this is a guy that I think is going to catch somewhere in the ballpark of 80 to 90 balls, somewhere in 1,200 yards, and then, you know, four to seven touchdowns. I mean, Corey Davis is the real deal for the Jets. There's no question about it. And he's lived up to the hype and some, I think, throughout this entire offseason. Yeah, he definitely has the swagger. He is clearly the one there. He does have a, a quarterback that is going to sling it. They are not going to be too conservative out there in New York, especially the first year. We, talk, we talked about Zach Wilson at practice, or Bradley did. It was a great point where he was like, I was just seeing what I get away with. There's going to be a lot of that in New York. I mean, we saw Peyton Manning throw 28 picks as a rookie. I'm not comparing him to Peyton. I am thinking he's going to have some mistakes. He's going to play like a rookie. Even his head coach, Salah, continually says, we're pumped. Right, we're extremely ecstatic with what we see. He's going to make mistakes. We're going to allow him to do that. That being said, so maybe he won't produce because of the negatives, but his weapons will. We saw Jameis with his original thirty for thirty. I hope he does it again so we can get it on ESPN because there's no way they won't do it. If he throws thirty touchdowns, thirty picks this year, there's no way he doesn't get a thirty for thirty. They might call it a, a sixty for sixty. Um, Brad, talk to me about the wide receivers out there in New York for the Gang Green. Uh, Corey Davis, and then who you want past him? Yeah, that's tough. I don't know who I want past him right now between Jamison Crowder, Keelan Cole. Keelan Cole was a surprise to me. You know, Paul talked a lot about him early on in our last our last interview with him, so that, that started to get the gears turning for me, and he has. He's looked really good. He's looked good in preseason, and the, the reports coming out of camp are good as well, but I'm probably not looking to invest in a 28-year, 27 or 28-year-old Jamison Crowder, a second team in Keelan Cole. I'm looking at Elijah Moore. Loved him coming out of college. He can do anything and everything. When he was on the field in camp, he was getting, he was catching everything, literally everything. Spectacular grabs. Everyone was talking about him. Beat reporters couldn't get enough of this guy. 
but it's kind of died down as of late. And that's where I'm a little curious as to what what do what can we expect from Elijah Moore right now with the hype going down and him being really fourth on the depth chart right now at the wide receiver position? Yeah, we have yet to see them on the field at the same time. Am I wrong? Somebody correct me. No, uh, he had actually, and it's just kind of, you know, shitty timing. He had a quad injury right before the preseason opener against the Giants. So the Giants, I think they played him on Saturday. He got the injury on Thursday. And then he's just been out the entire preseason. They were going to run him out against the Eagles uh, for that one. He started kind of getting ready to do the Packers point practices that week. But the Jets are just super cautious with it. From everything we understand, the quad issue that he's had since prior to the Giants game is a complete non-issue heading into the season. He should be full go. And I think, and again, when you haven't seen him and, you know, everyone else is rising, you start to say, okay, we're forgetting about him. Again, this is a guy that's going to get – Force touches on this offense. Think Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel. They're going to use him in jet. I mentioned this before about the jet sweeps, bubble screens, everything. They're going to orchestrate the offense to get the ball in his hands. And Corey Davis is going to be the quote unquote number one. But Elijah mm-hmm. Moore is going to get a lot of touches. And based off everything we've seen this offseason, they can't keep him off the field. Their plan changed. When they drafted him, they wanted to play him behind Jamison Crowder. Just learn the game, kid. He showed up, they went. Holy shit, I guess not. Jamison Crowder, Cole, all these other guys move out the way. It's the Elijah Moore show. Buy your tickets now. So, obviously, the quad injuries roughed him up a little bit. He's fully back from that. And, uh, again, everything we hear continues to be Elijah Moore. And this was from someone in the building uh, a week ago or so. He's going to be a superstar in the NFL. So, Jamison Crowder clearly would be the third, third guy on the field. He is banged up right now. Uh, when he comes back, he is a slot guy. Perhaps that pushes Elijah Moore out wide uh, for specific packages. I think you're going to see Jameson play with Keenan Cole, uh, whoever Elijah is not. That's where they'll plug in. I want to talk about yes. Keenan Cole against Denzel Mims, right? Uh, former former day day one pick. No, day, he's a day yeah. two pick. Day Doesn't two. sound as good. Second round, though, very high. Very high draft capital. Physically daunting. I mean, he, he's physically, he's got all the tools. Uh, not necessarily between the ears. We knew that coming out. He had, was it like a food poisoning? Lost a bunch of weight, yeah. double-digit pounds. Yeah. Uh, he's working his way back. So him dropping down the depth chart, it's a fake depth chart. But going into the season, now it's getting real. Keith Cole is a professional wide receiver, like Zach Pascal is a professional wide receiver. Is is this is this a thing, or is this you're just waiting for Denzel Mims to take the job back? I'm going to be honest. I'm pretty sure. I guess I got to give credit to Brad over there. I'm pretty sure he was the one who was crapping all over Denzel Mims last time we talked. And I'm like, you bastard. And then, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, when Denzel Mims was doing this, I'm like, you son of a. And I'm like, it's all your fault. So he cursed him and his family. So thanks for that. But uh, no, my family. Mama Mims, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, she, she was yelling at me on Instagram. No, but I, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is he got. So first off, he, he had this food. Uh, you know, the stomach bug, food poisoning. Basically, he had, uh, you know, bad sushi, bad bad salmon, uh, you know, at the uh, Jets facilities. And then he got, I mean, he got hit. Yeah, I think he lost like 30 pounds, I think is what he told us at the media. So, I mean, he lost a ridiculous amount of weight. And then it just took him forever to ramp back up. So, he was dealing with drops and everything else. And people will say, okay, give up the bullshit excuses. Like, where was he? And so, he really struggled. And then, of course, the offense is – you know, Taylor made for Elijah Moore's, Keelan Coles, those, Corey Davis, obviously. Like Denzel Mims physically isn't the exact archetype, the, the exact like fit 
that they would want on this offense. He's not exactly it. So I, I think the thing is that Michael LaFleur, as a first-time play caller, is still learning how to adapt the skill he has to the offense he has. It's like, again, it's a scheme-based thing. So, you know, Denzel Mims is trying to fit a square piece in the round hole as opposed to Michael LaFleur trying to fit it the way around. They're going to use him. They're not going to use him in the way that I would have hoped, you know, as like a big slot. That would have been pretty cool. But, again, I think they really like Braxton Berrios. They like Jamison Crowder. They like Elijah Moore. They've got slot guys, which forces him to the outside. And playing on the outside, he's just going to have limited opportunities, red zone, uh, 50-50 ball, throw-up vertical shots. But, like, again, his role is reduced. So, unfortunately, like I said, it's all Brad's fault. So, uh, Denzel Mims, I'm sorry, man. But that's it. His role has been reduced to what it's going to be. But, again, all you are is an injury away. Super talented guy. Unfortunately, the offensive system, it's just going to be hard to see him get the amount of looks I would have liked. That's disappointing. Disappointing. Quite. It's not surprising, but it's disappointing. Um, so from a dynasty perspective though, we zig when they zag, man, we, we like the dips and this seems like a very real dip. Now you might be able to wait six more months and get them just off waivers, but you still feel the same way, Brad, or is this somehow now a target of yours? Nope. I have zero interest. I have nothing of nothing uh, of note to add. That's from a different. That's from a different episodes with the chicks and the ducks and the bunnies. Well, I'm rookie on the rise with Britt Sanders at the FF Sandman. Be sure to give him a follow. Check out his pod. Uh, it's just a ton of fun, man. And it's rookies, and we're gonna re revisit some some former rookie classes, and we're gonna just dive into Devi because he's trying to get you prepared uh, for next season. So again, Britt Sanders at the FF Sandman on Twitter. Uh, okay, so from what I'm hearing is Corey Davis show. We love Elijah Moore as a pickup. Uh, they're probably already rostered. If you're in those larger larger uh, leagues, don't take the Denzel men's bait. Wait it out. Uh, if you have him on your team, hey, man, he's, he's a throw-in that's sexy because people still like the name. That's why you like to draft guys with day two draft capital and above is because you can still turn them in. Brian Edwards did nothing last year. We all believe people are knocking on my door for Brian Edwards. They still want him. Jalen Rager had a terrible season. He was a he was a first round pick in Superflex leagues. People will still trade for Jalen Rager uh, because he dogs some kid that won't make it in the NFL in a camp. I'm not saying these guys won't work out. I'm just saying that's why draft capital still has a place. If Kadarius Tony falls on his face, someone will still give up a draft pick in the next season for him. So Denzel Mims, I guess I'd be shopping. I'd, I'd be using him as a throw in and, and uh, trying to wamboozle somebody, right? Uh, so we're looking at Wilson. We're looking at Elijah Moore. And if you're in those deep leagues, I guess we're looking at Keenan Cole and a little bit of Braxton Berrios, but I guess Keenan Cole is the guy that I come up for me. Cause he did have some games for the Jaguars last season. Uh, and their horrific quarterback play. We know Zach Wilson would be better than that. Um, so 16 team and bigger. Uh, he, he's one of those flyers. He fits in your bucket of flyers. He does. He does. So, uh, look for that waiver wire. I, I might not stash him, but it's a possibility. Let's move on to the tight end position here. Uh, is there a tight end to own? Now, we know that Georgie Kittle is his own kind of animal, right? We know they're going to want to pinch the edge with the tight end. Herndon Lee's town, which opens up a big opportunity for the rest of the guys. I, I talked about Trayvon Wesco and how they should just, just cut him and just save the money. They have Tyler Croft there, Ryan Griffin. Trayvon has actually looked okay in the preseason. Some guy named Daniel Brown. So I'm interested to get your takes here. At tight end, it's not tough to be a top 10 guy. Uh, mainly, though, when you don't have one of the big three, four, five, whatever your cutoff is, you're streaming. 
And so these guys are always available. I mean, you can use them for a week and drop them, and nobody's even going to pick them up. And from what I've seen from Trayvon in the preseason is that Zach Wilson will use his tight ends, and the offense does have them going in the flat and cutting up the seam. They are still a part of it. It doesn't look like a main piece. But is there anyone to keep an eye on for heading into 2021, Paul? West Coast basically made the full transition to the Kyle Juszczyk role. So he's kind of a – he's listed at tight end, but he's a fullback, H-back, everything, man. So I don't know if he's going to get – the a lot of blocking is in his future, which, again, doesn't lead you to a lot of fantasy points. But he's given you a nice little pop a couple of times in preseason. So maybe he'll be utilized. But I don't anticipate as much as Juszczyk, but that's the role uh, that he's been shoved in. In terms of the tight end, my, my boy, the savior – Chris Herndon. Now he's going to blow it up for the Vikings, obviously. So it's you know, how it works. As early and often as possible. But in terms of what's left, I mean, it's a whole lot of graveyard dead bodies. They they dragged Ryan Griffin's carcass back. You know, it's just it's just disgusting, quite frankly. <laughs> I, you know, the one guy that's been somewhat surprising that I'm like, wow, uh, and that guy would be Tyler Croft, and he had a great chemistry with Zach Wilson on a pair of his touchdowns in Lambeau. And, and so Croft is an interest. And as you say, you know, after you get past whatever your cutoff is, you're streaming anyway. Croft could be a guy to just keep an eye on. But, you know, you know, I, I was anticipating, you know, the, the Jets have uh, done some sniffing around Zach Ertz. It seems like that situation has resolved itself uh, with Zach yeah, Ertz. Saying, so disappointing, man. Yeah, I'll just stay in Philly. But the Jets, during that joint practice, Joe Douglas and Howie Roseman rubbing elbows going, Zach Ertz, maybe? Zach Ertz for Jamison Crowder? Who says no? So, you know, there's a little bit of that action happening for sure. And they did do some sniffing around potential trades like O.J. Howard uh, down there in Tampa and other guys like that. But, you know, nothing came to fruition yet. So maybe something can before the start of the season. We're about a week and change away. But, you know, right now it seems like they're going to ride with this interesting train. The only one who's worth a damn maybe is Tyler Croft, but I, you know, I, I don't feel as great about it as I did the savior, Chris Herndon. It's interesting. It's interesting because when they when they moved Chris Herndon, I went to see what their depth chart said. Who's the guy? And you know who's in the first position for tight end? It's gonna be Tyler a Croft. Big old fat blank spot. No way. Yes, it is. Ryan Griffin is their second. Tyler Croft is their third. Then they've got Trayvon Wesco and somebody else in the fourth. I don't remember who it was. First is blank. So is that maybe I'm looking for a reason to say, ooh, oh, man, you said O.J. Howard. That perked me up a whole lot, right? O.J. Yeah. Howard there. Or or Zach Ertz, like you're talking about, right? So it, it – it, that conspiracy in me is thinking, well, are they doing this to hint like, hey, hey, <laughs> these guys are not our tight end one. We've got another guy in mind. So it's it's interesting. Yeah, when I'm looking at it right now on ESPN, and it is filled out, Tyler Croft, Ryan Griffin, Tavon Wesco, and again, some guy named Daniel Brown. Daniel, we are going to be pulling for you hard because I thought Wesco did not belong in the NFL, and now he not only does he belong, he got, he's got a role, man. I don't know, fantasy aside, just he made the roster. They changed him to fit him in. So I was wrong. I apologize, Daniel. I hope Daniel Brown, I hope you just tear it up. Right. Uh, Tyler Croft, though, you got the rookie quarterback. You got a ton of volume. I think they're going to throw the ball a lot. I'm sorry. I think you're going to be losing a lot of games. I do. I think you're going to be losing early. Um, it's- NewYorkJets.com. 
is who has the blank in the first team. Well, it's probably in. a beat reporter, and they are shaky information, <laughs> my man. Seriously, though, Tyler Croft is this year's uh, Drew Sample to me, right? You're in those in those big leagues, like those sixteen team leagues. Fuck Drew Sample, right? Sorry, excuse my language yeah. for anybody listening. Uh, we curse when we don't have legitimate guests on here, though, as bourbon dudes over there smashing his bourbon. So um, <laughs> that's right, man. That's right. Wait, did you just tell Paul he was not a legitimate guest? I said we yeah, drink, we, we curse on I'm here. Pretty sure that's what he said. When we that's don't have, yeah. when we don't have legitimate guests, he, right. we have a legitimate guest. I am trying not to curse, hence oh, my apology. Right. Otherwise, I would have been dropping them left and right. I mean, I can ah. do it right now. Somebody pull out cell phones, start hitting the buttons for the bleep noises because they're coming. Uh, those deep leagues, though, when you are just streaming tight end, there will. I'm in a 16 teamer where. People are just ridiculous, and there there were multiple weeks last year where Dan Arnold's on my team, and now he's rostered, and I can just see myself hitting that waiver wire. I could see him fitting in, man. We'll see what happens out there in New York, but watching the preseason, Trayvon, not, not necessarily the usage that I saw like from a fantasy perspective, but the fact he was getting targets and doing something with them showed that Zach Wilson will use whoever's in that role. Chris Herndon, real quick, the fact that they let him go and then – are knocking, you know, rubbing elbows and looking for a replacement that's also athletic. That's extremely discouraging for him, his inability to learn the playbook and adjust. Now, you do have a new coaching staff, so they wanted to get something for him. For people that are stashing him when he went to Minnesota, that is Conklin's job this year. That is Conklin's job. He's a fantastic blocker. He'll be on the field all the time. I know Brad talks about tight ends like that. He loves tight ends that never leave the field. Uh, but if Chris Herndon does see the field, he is probably getting a target because that is what he's good at. And if he has a trouble learning the playbook, uh, they will just plug him in when he's ready to go. Brad, you got something for us? Yeah, I, I'd be interested to hear Paul's take. So they did draft a, a rookie tight end too, and Kenny Yaboa. And with the release, with the movement of Chris Herndon and some of these other guys that are really nothing, is there a world where we in the dynasty community should be looking at Kenny? And I think they, and, I think and, they just cut him, my man. Did they cut him? Yeah. Was, uh, just to give an update, he was an undrafted free agent, uh, priority oh, free agent wow. after the Jets after. They did cut him. He had that awesome preseason finale, Hail Mary, that went viral against the Eagles. He was uh, re-signed on the practice squad. I was surprised. I thought, you know, again, they had to pay him a lot of money. He, he had several offers from teams uh, after the draft, and that's how it kind of flips, you know. The teams have the control. They get to pick all the players. As soon as the draft ends, there's priority free agents that could have, should have, would have been drafted. All of a they get to sift through the offers and pick the right team to go to. And, uh, again, Kenny Yaboa got a lot of offers, and he picked the Jets. And I kind of went, wow, it must be either the Mike LaFleur thing, Zach Wilson thing, whatever it is that Yaboa said, you know, I'm picking the Jets out of all the ones that he had. So, again, they paid him a lot of money to come here, one of the highest, uh, you know, guarantees that they gave a player. So, Yaboa here is on the practice squad, had a good preseason. But, again, when we got to actual training camp, too many drops, too much inconsistency. He's a talented dude, no doubt. <laughs> and – you know, there's a reason they brought him back on the practice squad. But, uh, you know, with the, if they don't do anything, they don't do an O.J. Howard, they don't do a Zach Ertz, eventually I imagine they promote old Yaboa up and say YOLO and try to figure it out because obviously he's talented. But, you know, outside of them not making a move, Yaboa is going to make some sort of appearance this season. Right now, again, he's just kind of developing on the practice squad. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons he picked it is because the depth chart's wide open. I mean, we're kind of surprised right. he didn't make it to the 53-man roster. 
Um, one one good thing for not having a tight end that's a pass catcher is it will funnel the targets and make our jobs easier. Corey Davis is an absolute flex play, if not a wide receiver, two or three, depending on how many you get to start uh, and stuff like that. So Brad has some questions for you about the defense. I hammered home when we did the draft and broke all that down. I had all these questions about the Jets. Brad's got some for you today. Uh, then we'll get you out of here. Yeah, so for fantasy, people love teams that have terrible defenses, right? Because it means they're just going to be chucking the rock. Which is, of course, not the Jets. So we're going to talk to you about the Buffalo Bills. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, go ahead, Brad. Well, so I wonder, right? There's a lot of signings and some guys that I really like, right? I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. I really liked Sheldrick Redwine. You guys brought in Sheldrick Redwine. You brought in (laughs) Reuben Foster. You brought in Deion uh, Jordan. What? And who was the guy from the other guy from Miami you brought in? I'm losing the name. Um, Shaq Lawson. Lawson. Shaq Lawson. So you've got some fairly high profile players on the defensive side of the ball that you brought in this year. Is that defense going to be better than what some people are giving them credit for? And should we temper that offensive expectation just a little bit because they're not going to be behind as much as what we may anticipate? I don't think you can anticipate enough how much they're going to be behind. Like, okay, <laughs> I, I don't know how I could politely put this. The Jets corners are perhaps the worst group in the entire NFL. I mean, they are god awful. And to make matters even worse, and it's this corner I'm going to mention isn't even great, but they just cut Bless Austin, who was starting for them last season. So now the Jets, of their seven corners on the roster, they have a combined nine starts. Seven of them are from Bryce Hall, which means the six others combined for two. So, again, the Jets, in a perfect world, Michael LaFleur, you know, if you got him on the top of a building, put a gun to his head, say, hey, what do you want to do this year? He's like, I want to ground and pound. Again, I want a million dollars, but I don't think either of those things are going to happen because the Jets' corners suck so bad that maybe they'll run the ball early, right? A little Tevin Coleman, a little Ty Johnson, all of a sudden, holy shit, we're down 35 nothing. I guess we got to throw the ball a little bit. So then they're going to say, screw the game plan, Zach Wilson. Time to chuck it, boy. So they're going to be throwing it all over the barnyard and change whole offensive identity. The problem is, with this style of scheme, you know, not to get two X's and O football here, but his 4-3's game is based all off the front four. And if they can get there, me, you, and everybody can play in the Jets. It's not going to matter because the pass rush will get there so quickly. The fact of the matter is Carl Lawson blew out his Achilles, so that was the straw that stirred the drink for everybody. So you take that chess piece off the board. So like Jets are like, well, at least we have Vinny Curry. Oh, wait, he has a rare blood disorder. They had to emergency remove his spleen. He's out for the year. Okay, move that chess piece off the board. So now what they're going to have to do is either go YOLO and hope the pass rushers they have left Bryce Huff, uh, Sheldon Rankins, uh, Quinn Williams, if that foot healed up, if they could get there, maybe the corners will be okay. My guess, they're not going to get there. So they're going to have to do exotic blitz schemes. They're going to have to go beyond the scheme. And then when that's happening, the corners are going to get boned because they're going to be on islands, mano y mano. And when they're playing against Josh Allen, Tom Brady, and all these guys, they're going to get sliced and diced. So long story short, hell no. This Jets defense stinks, so uh, I, I'm not feeling good. Not at all. No. Yeah, we call that turnstile, right? Ball snap, he turns like uh, one of those de- one of those revolving doors, right? That you see at a hotel. They just spin yeah, around a circle, it. and the wide receiver just goes right on past. 
Exactly. Okay, they're man. like a certain they're just tour guides. They're just like, yeah, wide receiver right this way. The end zone's there. Thank you so much. Have a great day. <laughs> no hop. I'll get your bags. I'll meet you in the end zone. You can dance. I'll drop yeah. them off. Uh, Tip me, please, because I will be cut by next season, so I can use the extra funds. Uh, yes. One more thing, one more news and note that I want to talk about. We talked about Gus Edwards. We talked about uh, Gus Edwards, and I wanted to bring up Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, Devonta Freeman, any anybody that's available right now. Uh, the reason that they won't sign somebody at, until after week one is because if you sign them before week one, you got to pay them the whole year. If you sign right. them after week exactly. one, it's a it's like a prorated thing. So you could see them bringing people in and then cutting them, and they're only paying them for the time that they're there, and it's not tough to learn the scheme. We're going to hand you the ball smash between these tackles because we don't pass it to you anyway. So I just wanted to bring that up for the Gus bus, a little wet blanket there. Cause I, I like him too, but the ch- it's like a Daryl Henderson thing. You just hope that they bring somebody in that's not too much of a threat, but I uh, just wanted to bring that up. We want to thank Paul Eisden jr. That is at boy green 25 on Twitter at boy green 25 for coming on. Don't miss his show. The man child show with boy green they act like he's the Robin, but we know the truth. The only reason we tune in is our favorite our favorite beat reporter. He happens to be for the Jets. Paul, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Brad, you got any last thoughts? Paul, you too, and then we'll get these guests out of here. No, I, I appreciate it, Paul. It's a good time as always, man. We'll have it, it to really it is sometime midseason. Absolutely. It really is a good time. Yeah, I'll be here, man. I always have a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on, guys. This is always yep. a trip. <laughs> yeah, we, we, you know, the the wordplay in this particular episode is going to have me cracking up when I listen back uh, when I'm doing the editing. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Don't forget to check out that website, ffaffair.com. It is revamped. We are still retooling it as we swapped our, our uh, domain to a different provider. Uh, and be sure to listen, like, review. We love those five star reviews, but anything you got, uh, be sure to do that because it helps us tremendously. And we do have a promo code for the Dynasty Nerds. FF Affair will get you 15% off. Plug that in. We get a small kickback. Helps us pay for things like the website and, and that expo that we like to host and all that kind of crap like that. Buys Brad new baseballs when he loses them. I mean, like the important things in life, okay, it pays for. Remember, like, review, subscribe, anywhere and everywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you guys so much for listening. Peace out. Later. Later.